What's it like to share your message with the world through podcasting? What is your method for helping people and making a positive difference in the world? Hi, I'm Shelley Carney, Livecast coach and host of the Messages and Methods podcast. Join me as I share fascinating stories and insights from podcasting women I met at the She Podcast Live conference in Scottsdale, Arizona in October 2021. This series of interviews will provide the foundation of understanding of why women podcast today and how they impact the world through their voice and message. My guest for this conversation today is Pam Uzel. She's a podcast producer and host of Art Heals All Wounds podcast, which provides an opportunity to hear what motivates artists. When we listen to these stories, we recognize ourselves. Then we can find our own creative practices that heal us. Pam is also a documentary filmmaker with credits in over 20 feature films, including Terminator 2, Godfather 3, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. She is the director and producer of three independent documentaries. Some call it Heaven, Unearthing the Dream, and Welcome to the Neighborhood. Pam's latest documentary, Shelter in Displacement, was selected as part of the De Young Open and as part of the Co-Videos collection at Filmsite.com. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Shelley. It's great to be here. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, it's wonderful to meet you, and thank you for being here today. Uh, so tell us more about yourself and uh, your your life story up to this point. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not really sure where to start with that. We could be here a while, but <laughs> um, I actually grew up in Arkansas and um, had no thought about being an artist or a filmmaker. I didn't even know you could be a filmmaker. I thought you were either maybe a movie star or I just didn't know. And then I went to school um, in Rhode Island to Brown University, and they had this major called semiotics. And mostly what I learned about semiotics was that it was this amazing thing where you got to sit and watch movies and then talk and write about them and apply different theories to them. And I was hooked. I just thought this is what I want to study is film. And that got me going. And when I graduated with my undergraduate degree in French literature and semiotics, um, I somehow really wasn't sure what to do with it. But I found work as a sound editor mostly in the Bay Area, which is where I moved after I graduated from college. And I loved it. I loved the people. It was really fun. At that time, the um, San Francisco Bay Area got a lot of sound work, really big directors like Francis Ford Coppola. And um, that's how I wound up working on Godfather Three and Bram Stoker's Dracula. And... Um, a lot of just other great films. The biggest one that most people know is Terminator 2. But as much as I loved it, as much as I loved the people, I just had the feeling that this is not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I also became pregnant with my first daughter, who's now 27. And it just was, it was too hard to try and be a mom and do that. It's a very demanding schedule to do that. So I took a big, big break and I decided I would go back to school and get my Master's of Fine Arts in film. So I did that. I went to San Francisco State, and it was there that I fell in love with making documentaries. And 
that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. In the meantime, I had my second daughter, who's now 22. Um, it wound up taking me 10 years to get my degree because two years in, she was born and I needed to get a little bit sane again before <laughs> I could get back into finishing it. And I've just been making documentaries ever since and never really looked back until the last few years. And my last film, it took me nine years to finish it. I started it in 2009. I did take a break and I made another film in the middle of it. But then I went back to it and I didn't finish till 2018. And that was a labor of love. But it also took a lot out of me. I enjoy people. I enjoy being around people. And I just couldn't get the funding I needed for that one. So I wound up doing a lot of the stuff myself. And it was a lot of time spent by myself. And when that ended, I started feeling this little voice inside of me, not really sure what I wanted to do next in terms of film. I didn't want to do something that was going to take me another nine years. And I did make another little film at the beginning of the pandemic. I was invited to um, contribute this piece to this collection called um, the Co-Videos Collection that a friend of mine, a producer named Morgan Schmidt-Fang, um, was putting together. And I did that that really, a piece, it's called Shelter and Displacement. And it features the work of an artist who also was doing a lot of um, community work at that time. And we talk a lot about how the pandemic really exacerbated the inequality and the inequities in our society. And since finishing that piece, I really sort of put on pause my idea of what I would want to do next in film. And I slowly started realizing that the pandemic was not going to go away quickly at all, which made it very difficult to even contemplate starting a new film. At the same time, I have so many friends who are artists, and it was just like the rug was pulled out from under them. A lot of them rely on performance, exhibitions, and um, things that involve large gatherings of people. And when everything shut down, there was this panic among a lot of creative people that I knew, myself included. And slowly people began to do these incredibly interesting and brilliant pivots on how to continue practicing their art and showing their art and sharing their art. And I thought of all these people that I knew. I thought of how amazing I found them to be and how inspired I was. And I just really wanted to introduce some of these people. So I did a few podcasts and I just felt like this is what I'm meant to be doing right now. And so I just finished the first season. I've only been able to do bi-weekly bi episodes or bi-monthly episodes, excuse me, um, because I do have a day job still, which I teach video editing. But I just finished the first season and I'm coming here to She Podcast Live to get some ideas to give myself a little bit of a pause and think about season two. Mm -hmm. uh, you've answered a lot of questions, but we're going to dive a little more deeply into each one of those. Um, tell us a little bit more about your podcast. And when you say artists, are you talking strictly performing artists? Are you talking about all kinds of artists? Tell us a, a little bit about what kinds of artists you're working with. I'm open to any kind of artist quite frankly, and I would really 
like to and enjoy exploring how broadly that idea of being an artist can be expanded. But so far, I started off with um, co-directors of the Theater Lab in Washington, D.C., which does a really amazing program called Life Stories, where they work with vulnerable populations and help them to write and produce and perform their own life story. And it's this incredible, um, it's an incredibly uplifting work to do that for yourself. If you, if you feel like you don't have any agency to write your own life story and then to imagine what, how you're going to make your story go next, it's just, it's something that I've heard is just amazingly beneficial to people to do that. So I started with them, but I've had, um, a comic artist and illustrator, Awan Mance. She's incredible, speaks at Comic-Con when there used to be a Comic-Con all the time. Um, And then I had um, a drag king, a friend of mine, who you're both giving me these perplexed looks. Well, we know what a drag queen is because we actually did a documentary with a couple of them. Uh, So we're surprised at drag king and hadn't heard that term before. Well, I hadn't either until I met this person who Mm -hmm. was doing it. Um, And a drag king is a woman who dresses up as a man. Oh, okay. And it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I had never seen it. It's not nearly as well known as being mm. a drag queen, but that's part of the reason that I wanted her to come on the show. We talked about her drag king persona, how she got started, and sort of how that expanded her idea of gender and um, her idea both of not only masculinity, but her own femininity by doing that. So that was, I love that episode. Um, I've had a poet. I've had uh, Ma Shane Wen, who's an amazing poet. Um, I've had two musicians who record, wrote, recorded, and produced an, um, a new album during the pandemic, even though there were times when they couldn't even get together and rehearse. They had a huge, um, they had a huge R&B, or no, boy, they corrected me on this. I want to say, I said it was R&B and they corrected me and said it was funk. They had a huge funk band. Um, that was Quincy Griffin and Luke Man Frank. And then um, I just finished doing a Mexican-American opera composer, Hector Armienta, um, and I did 16 of them. So I, I want to mention everybody, but um, I think you can get an idea. Uh, a children, a young adult um, novelist, um, Tiffany Golden. Um, boy, I wish I had my list here. <laughs> well, we will, uh, you know, uh, have your... Uh, information in the show. Oh, thank so you. People can go there and check I, that yes. out. Yes. Oh, a couple of documentary filmmakers. I can't leave mm-hmm. them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marjorie Sturm, who has actually lately been working on um, PSAs. Um, I don't know if you know, but California is contemplating um, legalizing psychedelic drugs. Mm. And Oakland has already decriminalized psychedelic drugs because they're enormously beneficial for therapy. Mm-hmm. So um, she's been making some PSAs on that, but she also has a huge, wonderful body of work of her own. Morgan Schmidt-Fang, the producer I mentioned earlier who did the co-videos, again, finished up this amazing film during the pandemic called Anton Circling Home, which to me is one of the most uplifting films I've ever seen. It's a portrait of an artist um, and his life story. Um, Denise Zmeckel, a Brazilian filmmaker, who's making a story about her father's um, building that which that was called the Skin of Glass that was this beautiful all-glass-walled building that was became one of the largest um, homeless 
encampments in Sao Paulo and then burned to the ground, all while she's trying to film it and preserve it. And sort of it's her journey of trying to reconnect with her father who died when she was a very young woman, a young girl, actually, when she was 14. Um, I feel like I'm leaving out another documentary film. <laughs> I should have come with my list of people who are in it. But but we can visit your um, website and see all of these podcasts. Is that yes, artheelsallwoundspodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll have that in the show notes so people can find that. Um, so I feel like you are really expanding people's awareness of what constitutes an artist because uh you say artist to most people and they envision somebody who paints right. uh, which in fact toby has a daughter who does paint uh, she repaints retablos and uh, muerto paintings oh lovely and, uh, she's quite well known in new mexico for her work oh. and uh her brother is a tinsmith, so he's more of a craftsperson. Yeah, uh, but those are both beautiful arts. Uh, frames for a lot of her work, in fact, and as well as mirrors and ornaments and other things. So um, that's what we picture when we hear artist. Uh, but you bring up all these other um, jobs and and uh, you know opportunities for people who you know they may not even be aware that that is a thing like you said when you grew up in arkansas you didn't even know that filmmaker was a thing that <laughs> no. you could do so it's great to have a podcast like yours that we can go to and make these discoveries um who do you feel is in your audience discovering these people well i've thought a lot about audience um and I've also looked a lot at who's responding to my um, podcast, I'm, my episodes, and I'm remembering one I didn't mention. Um, my cousin is a pole dancer. Okay. And um, I did a podcast Very on physically her. demanding. Very physically demanding, incredibly graceful mm-hmm. and beautiful. Those, those women have such muscles and yeah. definition in their bodies. You can tell that it's quite a workout. Yeah. And I, and I will admit, um, my cousin is much younger than I am. I have a certain association with pole dancing, which I realized I really need to explore this because I have some biases, which I don't really like realizing mm-hmm. that I have them. And that's one of my favorite episodes. Um, for her, it was very much about... Um, ownership of her body. Mm -hmm. You know, she grew up in a very, very, um, very, very rigidly religious family. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of shame around having a female body. And for her, this has been very healing to do this. And her dancing is amazing. And that kind of, I, I always thought of my audience as being a little bit, maybe, maybe mid thirties to maybe you know, mid seventies, mm-hmm. skewing a little bit older, but that definitely pulled it down. I also interviewed um, an indigenous artist, Angelica Trembliano, who does these incredible prints of, they look like landscapes of, um, of South Dakota. Um, and she also, she's, she 24, 25. So it depends really. I realize it depends on who I am who I'm featuring. Mm -hmm. And I certainly make a lot of Gen X references, cultural references. But, um, you know, when I teach, I realize that the films that I saw, you know, either as an adult or an older teenager, all of my students saw them kind of as classic films because their parents have shown them 
those films. So I feel like those references, oh, even if you're younger, you're going to get some of them. But I also feel like um, what I've noticed is that creative people Mm -hmm. tend to find the podcast Mm -hmm. and tend to enjoy the podcast. Um, And how do you feel that they respond to the idea that art is a healing uh, way to uh, express yourself? Mm. I've got a lot of feedback on that. And a lot of artists find me and ask if they can be on the podcast because of the name on the podcast. Mm. And for so many people, that has been our personal experience. Sometimes you start a creative project and you're not really sure why you're starting it. And somewhere in the journey of making that um, work, you start getting clues about why you needed to make that work. So I think that that's, I think that's a very common experience, that you're drawn to something and little by little it gets revealed to you why, why you personally needed to do that work. And how long have you been podcasting? You said that you've just finished season one, is that right? I just finished season one. I released my first podcast in January and then it took me six weeks to do the second one. And then I decided, well, I need to do this regularly. So I started putting them out every two weeks after that. So this year you just This started. year I just started, yeah. Okay. Well, what's it been like to, did you... Did you have uh, training or understand what you were doing ahead of time? Or did you just jump in unawares? I took a great class with a podcaster named Maddie Stout, who's been doing this for years. And um, that training was really good. A lot of my documentary film training transferred over. I mean, good sound is good sound. Um, I have struggled with the remote recording with Zoom. And luckily, people have stepped in and said, there are so many better ways to record than through Zoom. Um, so I did, in terms of the show, though, in the class that I took, we really were encouraged to find our own voice. And I appreciate that. And it has evolved as the show's gone on. There were segments that have been taken out that always felt like a chore to do. And then I thought, well, who's forcing me to do this segment? Nobody. Just stop doing it if you don't like this segment of your podcast. And so it's evolved. Mm-hmm. over the 16 episodes but yeah I did I did have good training I would say what was it that made you decide to start a podcast on this topic I well I think I mentioned earlier that there was a little voice inside of me after I finished the 9 year film mm-hmm. really saying do I want to embark on another film it's always even a short documentary might be 4 or 5 years the time that it makes to make one an independent documentary. Um, And I had a very good friend who said to me, well, really think long and hard before you make a commitment. You know, some films last longer than some marriages do. So (laughs) before you make the commitment of what you're going to do next, really think about it. And I went through so many ideas of my next documentary film, and none of them felt right. And For me in my life, where I've really gotten into trouble is when I don't listen to that little voice inside of me, which I've not listened to it many times. And the older I get, the more I've learned to listen to it. And podcasting had been intriguing to me for a long time because I listened to some podcasts where I thought, oh, this is very similar to documentary film, but maybe slightly less, um, you know, less 
painful and torturous <laughs> than making documentary film is. And when the pandemic hit, I just thought, okay, making documentaries isn't exactly safe right now. And I'm just going to try this. Why not? Just try it. And it just clicked for me so in such a profound way that it encompassed all the things I love about documentary. I love interviewing people. I love hearing people's stories. I also love talking. And it gave me a nice balance. I could talk a little bit, but mostly I was collecting stories and hearing stories. I find them so energizing to hear other people's stories. What message do you hope your audience will hear and understand when they listen to your podcast? Mm. Well, the first thing I hope, if I'm being really honest, is that they will explore this person's work further. All of the people I have interviewed, I think they are, many of them already have very big audiences, but I'd love to see their audiences grow even more. Or they're working on a project where they need some kind of support, either financial support or even just moral support, encouragement. Um, so quite honestly, that's maybe the first thing. But the second thing that I'm really hoping is that it will encourage someone out there who's feeling a little bit stuck in their own artistic practice to keep going or to find a way to relate to how the particular person being interviewed was able to accomplish whatever they accomplished and that they're going to get re-inspired around their work. That, I think that's really important to be inspired because it, it keeps us on track. It keeps us going um, and wanting to do things. Why do you think it's important for women in particular, to participate in podcasting? Mm. Well, I've been in a, in a career for a long time now where women are in a very, very small minority filmmaking. And there's been so much attention around that lately, which I'm really glad it's still nowhere near um, equitable. But I'm very happy to see it getting attention. And for myself personally, I love listening to women podcasters. I do listen to a few like This American Life and things like that, but most of the shows I listen to are women. I, as a woman, I need to hear some of the things that they are saying. So to me, as a listener, that's how I can talk about it the most is that I want to hear what other women are saying. I feel like it's so affirming to hear that feminine voice. And I think that I'm hoping, I'm, I'm glad that I came to this podcast for women and non-binary podcasters because those are the types of voices that I need to hear personally because I don't just make my podcast, I listen to podcasts too. And those are the ones that I'm seeking out to hear what, what are women saying, how are they navigating certain points in their life that maybe I'm challenged with. You know, we're 50% of the human population. I feel like why wouldn't it be important to have women podcasters? And I just grew up, I mean, did you ever grow up feeling that you weren't represented in the shows you watched or in the books that you read? I know that I grew up really feeling like I love so many movies that were about adventure, but very few of them had um, female protagonists. And I, I've always thought about that, even as a kid. Why aren't there more girls in this movie? Why aren't there more girls in this book? And to be at an age now where I'm seeing 
that conversation start to shift around that is amazing. I'm also so inspired by the younger generation of women coming, um, the, the millennials, but then especially the Gen Z women are really, they are thinking much more clearly than I think our generation did in terms of what they want, how they're going to get it. And even being able to identify what's needed in terms of more diverse voices. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with that. My daughter is also 27. So yeah. I think that she has uh, helped me and my husband to be more aware of diversity and, and what's out there that we're not, you know, hadn't been aware of before. Exactly. In what ways has your life changed since you began podcasting? Well, I feel, I feel so inspired. I, I was really at a dead end with documentary filmmaking, which is not to say I'm never going to do it again. I don't want to be that extreme. But I feel so inspired every time I know that I'm going to write the new intro and the new, you know, ending for the show and the intro to the guest. And um, I have an editor who's been wonderful and like sending it back to her. I'm waiting for it to come back. I'm just excited again about what I'm doing. And that's been so important, especially during the pandemic. I really, um, I'm not an extrovert. I don't like crowds, but I do get energized by being around other people And that first year was really hard. It was very hard. And both of my daughters are adults, so I wasn't even around them. And so this has given me back that energy and that excitement about what I'm doing again. And that's huge. You know, the beginning of the whole first, I, I don't know what portion of the pandemic we're on now, but that whole first part of 2020 for me was a very kind of blue and isolating space. Yeah. What made you decide to attend the She Podcast Live conference? Mm, I wasn't going to do it because, I, as I said, I have a day job. I teach, and I just started teaching on site this past this semester. And for some reason, I had this idea that, like, oh, I can't do it. I can't. I'll be too tired. I'll be too this. And I finally realized, like, I can't not do it. That would be just crazy to not go. You know, it's not even that far from me. I took a two-hour flight to get here. And I just thought about how amazing it would be to be around all these other people doing the same thing that I'm trying to do, some of them much further down the road than I am. And, you know, one thing, I do have a goal. I would like to monetize my podcast. Um, And I have no idea how to do that, really. I mean, I have some ideas, but like really, truly for my particular podcast, how to do it. And finding mentors and people who've done it before is just so important and is really one of my goals mm. with this since it is a new medium for me. Yeah, I I believe that you will find people here who are happy to mentor you because yeah. everybody's being very friendly and open and helpful, I think. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So what plans uh, do you have for the future of your podcast? Well, the the immediate plans, I'm planning season two. I already have some amazing people who are going to come on. I do want to be a little bit more um, deliberate about how I group the podcast and sort of picking like a theme and then like have a few artists, not from the same medium, but um, from this, who address that theme. And so that's kind of exciting to me. Um, 
And my goal really is to just make season two. I, I, I'm not thinking too much too much um, further beyond season two because I want to do more episodes. Um, I do realize that my downloads, when I release a podcast the first week, they're like pew, and then they drop off the second week. I have no idea if I have the bandwidth to do a, an episode every week, but I do realize that that's a good way to grow my show. Um, so being a little more focused making it um, easier for people to say, oh, this is the section on, you know, that where people are talking about their family of origin. So I really want to hear the next one in this series. Or, you know, this is the one where um, people are talking about art that deals with climate change. So things like that, where I want people to be able to really engage with the podcast in a way where they're looking forward to the next one because they kind of have an idea about what theme it is. So that's those are my immediate plans. And I'm thinking that when I leave this weekend, I might have plans beyond season two. But, you know, that's where I am right now. Wonderful. Are there any questions that I didn't ask today or anything that you wanted to touch upon that we didn't get to? Mm. No, the only thing I will say is that um, I think I think I'd like to add one thing to where you said how has doing this podcast changed you. I feel like there are certain messages that I needed to hear from these artists that keep being said over and over and over again. So while I might be doing the podcast to help the artist, and I might be thinking about how the audience might be helped, I am the first audience and. Some of these things that these artists have taught me are things that I really needed to know myself. That's fascinating because, yeah, like you said, um, like I'm also a life coach and they tell mm. you, you know, first you have to coach yourself mm. and, and then you can coach others. And it's the same thing. First you, you learn from what you're doing, why you're doing it. And mm. then it shows in your podcast for your audience. Right. Speaking of your audience, where can people find and connect with you? Well, they can visit my website, arthealsallwoundspodcast.com. I'm also on Facebook at Art Heals All Wounds, and I'm on Instagram at Art Heals Podcast and Twitter at Art Heals Podcast. So I would welcome any sort of connection through those ways. Um, the social media is probably the best. I just now started a mailing list, so I have to hook that up to my to my um, my website, but the any message to any Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, I will get it, and I will be thrilled to get it. And they can find information about all the episodes on any of those places or at the website. All right, so check the show notes for those links. Um, Pam, thank you so much for spending time with me on the Messages and Methods podcast. I hope you enjoy the rest of the She Podcast Live conference, and we can work together again in the future. Me too, and this was a wonderful way to start it off. Thank yes. you so much, Shelley. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Messages and Methods She Podcast Conference interview series with Shelley Carney, produced by Toby Eunice. Please subscribe, leave a great review, and look for our compilation book on Amazon soon. 
Share our podcast with your family and friends and discover how you can become a fabulous podcaster at agkmedia.studio or join our Facebook group, Leveraging Your Content. Check the show notes for links and resources and please enjoy all our wonderful podcast episodes. Thank you.